I am Planta on the line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. On the 7th of September, 1907, thousands gathered in front of Vancouver's uh, City Hall to protest Asian immigration, then stormed neighborhoods where many of uh, Chinese and Japanese descent made their homes, Chinatown and a portion of Powell Street. A 360-degree video walking tour uh, was created by Henry Jung, offering a recounting of this historic event through a series of panoramic photographs following the path of the mob. It's still available online at 360riotwalk.ca, and a number of events were held, including uh, walking tours that were also multimedia, using tablets or one's own phone. A new book, White Riot, the 1907 Anti-Asian Riots in Vancouver, provides the history of the event as well as visuals used in the walking tour, a number of archival photographs which one could juxtapose to current images or live if you were doing the walking tour are colorized, bringing this history to life in some cases. As one sees in the book, there are photographs of people taking the tour and Henry leading some of the events. A number of those photographs are from 2019. And what makes this book timely and useful is that it also contains essays that bring us to the present, chronicling the rise of anti-Asian violence during the COVID-19 pandemic. There are uh, essays from historians, activists, and urban planners, including a foreword from Patricia E. Roy. Uh, the book comes out next week, and Henry Jung joins me now to uh, reflect on this walking tour, its legacy, and now this book, and the future, which uh, still includes COVID, and uh, the lingering of prevailing attitudes that make a lot of people in this uh, city still unsafe. Henry uh, Jung is an artist who explores the spatial politics of history, language, community, food, and community translation in relationship to place. His artwork takes the form of gallery exhibitions, 360-degree video walking tours, curated dinners, and public art. He also teaches at Emily Carr University of Art and Design here in Vancouver. His Twitter handle is at Henry Vancouver. This new book is published by Arsenal Pulp Press. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online Program, Henry Jung. Mr. Jung, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, when um, y- you uh, first conceived of the tour, um, and uh, you conceived of this project, I should say, was, was a book always inevitable? Oh, God, no. The intention was to do a 360 video walking tour um, that followed the the uh, the route of the mob and and um, um, the riots that ensued when they went to attack Chinatown and Powell Street area. And uh, that project became 360 Riot Walk, which is available on the website 360riotwalk.ca, mm-hmm. all in word. And um, when uh, we were building the website for the project because it's accessible through any web browser, um, and you can take a self-guided tour uh, as long as you have internet access. Or in the summers, we offer guided tours. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I started commissioning some writings for the website to provide more context, and especially contemporary kind of context. And then I started thinking about, oh, um, actually, the book was um, an idea deal later on down the line, but more pressing was dealing with all the technological changes that come when Apple changes their operating system, mm-hmm. and then you got to go, okay, all of a sudden the gyroscope stops working, things like that. So mm-hmm. um, eventually we got that fixed uh, when the software upgraded and so forth, uh, not Apple, but um, for creating the, uh, 
360 video. And I started thinking about legacy and how much longer this project is available as a digital, you know, uh, tech-based uh, uh, entity because nothing lasts for very long with tech. Right. But yeah. a book does. And and so uh, Arsenal Paul Press was was interested, and and um, I, I commissioned a few extra essays to round things off and provide a, a broader uh, scope and perspective. And it's it's a way to sort of um, kind of like make more tangible in, in, in a different um, uh, kind of like a, a different relationship with the uh, walking tour. Um, the script is in the book. Yeah. Um, all the different stops and locations, they're all identified in the book. You could actually do the walking tour just carrying the book around, but you don't get to hear the voices. And it's uh, there's four different languages, uh, three of which were, uh, besides English, there's Punjabi, Cantonese, and Japanese, because they were the main languages spoken around the downtown east side uh, in 1907. And there's also a bit of Squamish, Squamish mm-hmm. Snitchum in there in the first section um, to give you kind of like a grounding of... of um, what kind of voices were around on the streets back then? So it's sort of a roundabout way to answer your question, but uh, sort of is yeah. the answer, I guess. It's, it's it's such a beautiful book because yeah, if 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 you are offline, um, and uh, you know you you put your device away for the night, um, you can always pick up the book. You don't need Wi-Fi uh, to go down there and and learn this stuff. You know, um, this is history that that. Uh, we weren't taught as children, say, growing up here in Vancouver. Um, no, not at all. Henry, how different do you think it would have been had, had students of um, uh, your vintage, my vintage, if um, we we all knew this? Well, you know, I was never taught the Indian Act growing mm. up in Vancouver. I didn't find out about that until I was an adult. Same with this 1907 um, anti-Asian riot. And it wasn't until relatively recently I found out about the 1887 anti-Chinese riot, mm. which is Vancouver's first riot, let alone race riot, right after um, uh, incorporation. It was just a few months after the Great Fire. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot about this particular place that we have the privilege and the honor and maybe some shame around uh, calling it our home, uh, this, this unseated Territory of the Musqueam, Skohomish, and the and the Silitu. So we we need to really understand what happened to get us to where we are now, because it definitely influences uh, why what why things are the way they are, and allows for or limits us from moving into the future in certain ways. When you have certain mentalities that are kind of ingrained in the people here, because there's a certain kind of normal. Um, in, in acting or believing or, 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 or thinking certain ways, yeah, that, that definitely um, is, is uh, um, something that we have to work hard at moving beyond, and we got to start earlier than coming across this in our, when we're fully formed adults. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the book, there are photos of people taking the, the walking tour. This is all before COVID, I would assume. Um, and it's a fascinating thing as this book comes out because you have the, the, the past three years, if you will, of um, the, the pandemic experience. And um, it's one of the things, as, as I was reading the book, that um, the, the history is cyclical, isn't it? That, that um, uh, even though we're in the midst of this pandemic, there, there were things that happened in the last three years that um, 
brought a lot of this history home and made, made relevant again. And it's all the sort of stuff that we have to, I guess, relearn, if you will. Yeah, um, it's really unfortunate, isn't it, that it's yeah. cyclical, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. it comes around again, That, and, and I think you're referring to the anti-Asian violence yeah, that exactly. reared its ugly head during COVID. Um, it certainly uh, gave permission, I guess, uh, for some people who harbored these sentiments um, that perhaps for a little while it was a bit dormant, uh-huh. Maybe uh, for a while it was kind of out of fashion, out of fashion or something, but it, it gave certain people this self righteousness to be able to uh, not just think a certain way, but to, they felt the right to act in certain ways. And and I don't think just because uh, some of these folks might seem to be on the margins is any indication that it doesn't exist within the mainstream. Yeah. Right? What happens on the margins here is indicative of what's happening in the mainstream. Right. So these these mentalities are there, and they've been there for an awful long time. And people are brought up with these mentalities. In the same way that, you know, you have to work hard at fostering other mentalities to counter these if we're going to move forward as a society, if we want to have a just society, you know, with uh, with ideals of either democracy or equality or something called human rights. And, and uh, I guess that was the point that I was, I was going to make, that um, people, people were taking the, the, the walking tour in groups, say, before the pandemic, and then th- that obviously stopped. And then now um, we have your book. Um, we, we can see that the, the, the lessons of the past, I guess, they, they really need to be relearned. And, and um, as we all fight against racism, um, there are great lessons in, in, in the events of 1907, right? Yeah, there's so many parallels today. I mean, we've moved on as a society. Sure. We have legislations that protect more people now, as yeah. opposed to only some people, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, for instance, when in the history books and still to this day, when some people talk about women getting the vote, yeah, they kind of neglect to say that it was only white women mm. and that non white men didn't have the vote because, okay, well, they had the vote, but then they were disenfranchised in the 19th century in the process of nation-building of Canada and British Columbia, right? I mean, those rights were stripped away from certain people to build a white Canada. And then women got a vote, but it was only white women, and then uh, Chinese and Japanese folks didn't get the vote until, I think, 47. Mm -hmm. Uh, Indigenous people didn't get it until, what, 61? Right. Yep. Remember exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So you know that's pretty recent history, and and um, there's covenants still around Vancouver, and the real estate deed. If you ever mm. managed to somehow buy a British property developed by the Guinness family in Ireland, you know Guinness Beer, it says you can't be an owner, you can't purchase the property if you're Chinese, Japanese, black, or they might have Jew on there. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, those are on the deeds. They can't actually change them somehow. Um, legal stuff, I don't understand. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's all, you know, it's there. It's documented. And we, we have to work to change some of these um, um, ways that were normal before. There are photos in the book that, that um, like the one on the cover, for example, where it's um, um, uh, 
colored. Um, how did you, because you talk about this in the book, about the process of um, finding out what colors they were, because all, all these photos were in black and white. And um, I, I guess, you know, you, uh, there, there, there would be very little record, say, as to what um, these buildings looked like in real life in color, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, the images that you're talking about are arch- archival photographs mm-hmm. as well as documents and posters and drawings and things like that. And they're all, yeah, they're all black and white. And then they're embedded into the actual physical landscape um, of, of current Vancouver, Vancouver in 2019. Mm-hmm. And all the current, relatively current photographs, they were shot in color, but then I turned them into black and white. And then all the black and white photographs that are old, um, we colorize them and then place them on top of, you know, where that particular building is standing today. It's the same one. Or put drawings um, from the 19th century, early 20th century onto, as if they're posters on, on the sides of buildings and so forth. The act of colorization was um, kind of fraught. I mean, we didn't use one of these AI programs. Uh, you can go on the website, uh, on different websites now, and just plop in a black and white picture, and it'll just automatically colorize it for you. We didn't do that. We, we did it all by hand in, in Photoshop. Um, did some research into uh, color palettes that the Vancouver Heritage Foundation, I think it's called True Colors, um, they, they, they've done a lot of research in what kind of popular colors were used to paint houses and buildings mm. way back when. So we referred to that a lot. Um, in some cases, yeah, we don't know. I mean, okay, that telephone pole is probably brown. Yeah. This guy, well, we made it blue, even though in Vancouver that could be a lie. <laughs> and um, uh, the, otherwise, yeah, it was, you know, kind of educated guesses. Yeah. Um, the Asahi baseball team, they had a red and white uniform, so that was obvious. But a lot of these buildings, they're no longer there. Yeah. So there was no black, there was no color photograph of it, and for in some cases we tried asking some people. But that was a long time ago, yeah. and people don't often remember the colors of buildings unless it's like kind of gaudy or really stuck out. The um, in the archival photos, especially, you, you see the faces of the people as they stand in front of um, that wherever they worked or, or, or where they lived or. or um, you know, in front of, say, a, a building that had been vandalized uh, as part of the riot. Um, I, I find the faces quite haunting. Um, they say so much, even though they're, they're uh, largely expressionless, if you will. Yeah. How, how did you find, um, as you were looking through the archives and, and looking at the, at, at the faces especially, what, what, what were you thinking? Well, you know, when you have a color image of a person as opposed to black and white, they're more immediate. They're more within our world of color, mm. right? So when it's black and white, it's more abstracted. Because we don't live in a black and white world, even if you're colorblind, it's, it's not monochromatic, right? Yeah, yeah. So just the act of colorizing a human being places them closer towards where you are. And then you can look at their face and their clothing. Okay, their clothing looks different, but their face, you know, they're, they're other humans, right, who are um, 
who are going through something in front of this property that is their home or their business that has been targeted, their physical body on the street was at times um, also vulnerable, right? There could be a target of angry men who might just attack them. That still happens to this day. Um, and, you know, maybe you're a woman or maybe you're identified as somebody who some people think is an enemy, you know, to, to your belief system or something. And that hasn't gone away. Uh, so for these people to stand, you know, sometimes defiantly in front of their building yeah, or yeah. peeking out from the entrance, because yeah. there's all these little kids as well, because yeah, they're yeah. families, right? Yeah. So the kids are more carefree because there's an innocence about them. Um, but the adults, they know what happened. And they're they're serious. And and you have um Asian people in the pictures, you have white people in the pictures, and there there's a physical distance between them. You can read whatever you want into it. Uh that yeah, there was physical distance between people of different communities. Mm-hmm. Back then certainly physical distance between the Japanese and Chinese. Mm-hmm. Generally they didn't get along, right? And then also between the South Asians and so forth. Uh there wasn't a lot of mixing back then. You did have people who had friends from other cultures, uh, but they were not the most common. And generally, you'd have to basically grow up with people of different communities all together, like, say, in an elementary school or something. Yeah, yeah. Then you'd have friends from other cultures, maybe. Yeah. And, um, there's, Henry, there's an essay in, in the book um, uh, about the word Japantown, because we hear that a lot. And... Um, uh, that's a construct, isn't it? And, and, and um, as the writers of the essay say in the book, we shouldn't use that word to describe, say, that part of Powell Street, right? Yeah, you know, I was kind of surprised by that position when I first came across it, and, and I've come across it pretty recently. Yeah. And it's a, in, in, I think in some ways it's more of a recent um, um, kind of like um, claiming of that neighborhood not being Japantown. That, the word Japantown has only been used by people who didn't live in the Powell Street area. Right. So that's the main argument. Mm-hmm. That, uh, if, if we are to respect the people whose community it was, to call it Japantown is, um, it's like calling, okay, so I live in the Hastings Sunrise area, mm-hmm. and, um, I don't know if you know it very well, but the, there's been a movement, not by people who live here, but uh, like the Business Improvement Association. I don't know. Yeah, realtors from. especially, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To call it East Village. Yeah. Well, why call it East Village? We don't live in New York. <laughs> so um, I completely reject that personally. Yeah. And um, if you know, and, and so from that kind of association, I can also understand why we shouldn't call um powell street area japantown the the people who lived there back then they called it powell street or powder guy which uh-huh. means that's a japanization is that the right word <laughs> mm-hmm. oh the word powell and and then guy means neighborhood or street um well so so yeah that's what the folks called it back then and until they were uh forcibly removed for internment in the Second World War. In, 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 after 1941, yeah. Um, I, I live at Fraser near King Edward, and mm-hmm. um, I've lived here since the 80s. 
Cedar Cottage. Yeah, yeah, but uh, lately there's this move to call it Fraser Hood because I think it's it's probably chic for marketing pur- purposes. Um, we've never called it Fraser Hood. Um, no, never, ever. So, Cedar so, Cottage is pretty. I like that name. Yeah, or Kensington. Yeah, the, Kensington, south, yeah, south of uh, um, King Edward, I guess, is, is more Kensington. Uh-huh. Um, but but yeah, it's funny how yeah, as the essay says, it's 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 more of a a, a tool for for gentrification, if you will. That um, that that these these terms come up when when the people there never use those terms. Yeah, the essay by Nicole Yakashiro and Angela May make it really clear that they are not um, arguing for, um, um, for like they're not forbidding that word from any other community in North or South America or elsewhere. Right? There mm-hmm. are Japan towns elsewhere. Right. They're just saying. Not around here. We we just won't use that word, and we we won't recognize it. The the um, the thing that this book and and your work over the years has done is 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 bring history closer to us, um, Henry. And you know, considering that these events are over a hundred years old, um, you're you're not just the book, but but the, the tour as well. I, mean, I went on the website the other night and and, and started poking around there and, and found myself spending a, a great deal of time because um, I enjoyed it. Um, okay. You come away, I, I guess. I would assume that you 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 came away from all of this better understanding what motivated people, the, the rioters who wanted exclusion, say, and and those who stayed. Um, is it is it um i don't know considering contemporary what's happening now and and you know the contemporary situation especially um when things happen um that are racist and and these horrific events over the last 3 years especially do you come away better understanding why these things happen and and um do you worry that that we're going to have to relearn this stuff years from now again? Well, every once in a while, I think about former Yugoslavia and how quickly things fell apart there. Mm. Right, the civil war that happened after Tito died, um, families torn apart. You know, the, you had you had people of different religions living together in the same household, and all of a sudden, people doing unspeakable things. To their neighbors, like just horrible. And before that, you know, it was pretty harmonious overall. So you can't take anything for granted. And sometimes leadership can uh, bring people together in really positive ways. And sometimes leadership can tear people apart in really serious ways. And we're we're seeing more and more examples of that. The ilk um, gaining more power and prominence around the world, uh, sometimes locally as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we we as people, if we if we actually care about um, um, more humanistic kind of values and ideals around democracy, which means inclusion as opposed to exclusion, then then yeah, we have to know how things got to be the way they are now and how how things can go sideways or backwards. Uh, it, things are not linear, right? Um, yeah, and, and right now is a awkward time, I suppose, 
for anyone of Chinese descent because mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, China baiting, yeah. anti-Chinese rhetoric. And as somebody who wasn't, isn't from mainland China, uh, whose mother, my mother, fled mainland China when the communists were taking over during the Civil War after the Second World War, uh, like many people in Hong Kong, although Hong Kong has changed a lot mm-hmm. ever since the um, the uh, national security law in 2020 uh, and before that, uh, it's it's like, okay, well, don't lump me in with the People's Republic of China yeah. and the official policies there and, and all this stuff happening, but some people might, right, yeah. lump me in there. Yeah. Uh, we have There's a really complex history, and not everyone's, you know, the same. But it's easy to say everyone's the same if you have an overly simplistic view of the world. Yeah. You said something there where, where these things, you know, can't be taken for granted, and I think that's why your book is so necessary um, and uh, so important. Um, so, so people can um, use their device or, or uh, um, uh, the book even to go and, and uh, take the tour, but you, you also... Uh, are um, uh, you instruct us to be mindful of um, that for a lot of people th- they live there and and we, we shouldn't lose sight of that as as we say might want to take a, a sort of history lesson as we, as we uh, walk say we have to be uh, cognizant of that don't we yeah yeah I believe you're referring to uh, East Hastings mm-hmm. around Maine yeah yeah and a couple blocks uh, yeah, east and west of there. Yeah, um, that's a tough area, right? Mm-hmm. There's just so many impoverished people in that area. It's one of the poorest areas in Canada. Um, there's uh, people who are homeless. There's a lot of people who have um, um, op- opiate addictions mm-hmm. and other health conditions uh, that come with poverty and uh, mental health issues as well. Uh, since COVID, uh, that area's literally taken a beating, and it's had a strong effect on the neighborhood there and the community. Uh, for you know, for what, whatever it's worth, uh, there was a really strong community there. Uh, people looked out for each other generally, and COVID just wreaked havoc. It was just so hard. Uh, and so, yeah, even even before COVID. You just have to be mindful of of the areas you're walking through that section, especially of East Hastings, and and just be respectful. And if mm-hmm. someone thinks you're taking their picture because you're holding up your cell phone or yeah. your iPad and looking at the at the um, 360 imagery, which moves with your body when you move your body to the right or up and down, the image moves with you to kind of um, coincide with what you're looking at in the background. Uh, some people see tourists coming in and taking pictures of like poor people sure, right yeah, some kind of yeah. poverty poverty tourism or something well they get upset and you know rightly so because it's not like they ask for permission to do that so someone may come up and start yelling at you and say, you know no i'm not taking a picture look look I'm, I'm, this is our project look at this so just be generous yeah and just be uh you know and be polite yeah. some people are just kind of triggered by that um do you have any um I know you're not probably going to be running any future tours, but if, if oh yeah, yeah, yeah you this will. summer. Oh, this we summer. Send it every year, even during COVID. So, so people should go to the website and, and check that often for the dates, I guess, right? 
Yeah, got to do that more often. We haven't uh, figured out the dates. Powell Street Festival is mm. stewarding the, the um, guided tours. Uh, right now I know of um, two that are going to be during Powell Street Festival, which is the BC Day Long Weekend down at Oppenheimer Park. And then I think there's a couple in July. It can only happen in the summer because when it rains, and it's rained during one of our um, walking tour, uh, yeah. guided tours in September during the anniversary of the riots, uh-huh. You know, you know, tablets get destroyed and they're yeah, kind of expensive. Yeah. So we provide the tablets, we provide headphones, or you can use your own um, if you want to bring your own device down. But we, they're really limited and they sell out fast. Um, we only take 10 people at a time. And then there's a post-tour discussion, and that's where everything kind of comes together for a lot of people. But yeah, yeah, we'll have more this summer. And then we're we're trying to roll out some virtual tours. Mm. Not exactly the same experience, but the next best thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, if, if you're far away, this book obviously is, is a, a marvelous way to, to uh, get down there, if you will, and, and, and feel um, what it was like then as now. Um, Henry, um, when you look back at, at all of this and, and, and this project, that's, it's been a number of years now, what, what has this done to your own sense of, of uh, being of... Uh, and part of Vancouver. I mean, I mean, when you when you reclaim is not the right word, but when you sort of relive history as it once was, does it um, does it um, clarify some some sense of of being a Vancouverite, if you will? Well, it makes me wonder what my life would have been like if we had moved here. My family had moved here earlier on. Mm. Um, obviously, during the Chinese Exclusion Act, that, that wouldn't have happened because <laughs> yeah. all Chinese were excluded from Canada uh, between 1923 and 1947, um, unless you're a diplomat or a scholar. So very, very, very few people came in during that time, over those 24 years. But like, say, 100 years ago, 1922, oh yeah, okay, we wouldn't have been allowed here <laughs> in mm. 1923, right? Uh, but say 150 years ago. Well, my kids, they're fifth generation, so mm-hmm. they're great-great-grandfather or great-great-great. I never know how to count um, that. Uh, he came for the gold rush, and he had a general store up in Barkerville. So that would have been a, such a different time, right? Yeah. Like Wild West, all that kind of stuff. Um, to now, and, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the privileges I have living here today, um, that I'm also nervous that, like I said, things can go sideways because I'm a racialized person. But I'm male, so I don't get targeted in the same way. I mean, I'm not old and and that kind of vulnerable. I'm not also a a, a woman and therefore that kind of vulnerable. I mean, I'm I'm six feet tall and I'm a guy, and yet I'm still nervous. So what does that say, right, about being identified because I was born Chinese, right? So in this place, there's a history of anti-Chinese sentiment, and there's been violence. And, yeah, uh, I I go through my day, uh, and then all of a sudden, oh, I get a little bit nervous. Well, that's because um, of growing up here and having experienced racism growing up here in Vancouver. If I never experienced it, then no, that that wouldn't wouldn't be part of my body. It, again, it, it, this this um, it demonstrates just why why this book is so important and why people 
ought to read it. Henry, I so appreciate your time today. It's been such a, ple- a pleasure to speak with you about this book. Continued uh, good luck with it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for your interest, and thanks for reading the book. The website for more is at 360riotwalk.ca. Henry uh, Jung's uh, Twitter handle is at Henry Vancouver. This uh, book is called White Riot, the 1907 Anti-Asian Riots in Vancouver. It's published by Arsenal Pulp Press. It's uh, author Henry Jung. Join me on the line from here in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Planta.